Hi, I'm Dan Retiner from Dan's Papers, your host of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I founded Dan's Papers in 1960, and if there's anything going on out here worth knowing, I'm the guy who can tell you about it. Through these interviews, I'll bring you stories from the East End. I'll be talking with farmers, fishermen, celebrities, mayors, foodies, business owners, people in the arts. There's plenty happening, and I hope this will be a lot of fun, and I hope you will enjoy it. I'd like to welcome to the podcast Jesse Warren, who is the young mayor of Southampton. They call him the young mayor, but he looks to be about 28, 22 years old, but he isn't. He's older. He's in his 30s, and he's uh, really shaken up the village. I had a couple of questions to ask to start. We want to spend a few minutes on it. Where were you? Uh, where are you from, and how did you decide you wanted to come out here rather than any other place on the planet? Well, thanks for having me on the uh, the podcast, Dan. And uh, I've uh, I've lived in uh, in Southampton for about the last uh, decade or so. Prior to that, I was actually spent some time working in um, in New York City and uh, in Boston. And uh, one summer, uh, prior to becoming uh, mayor, any interest in politics, I opened a business in Southampton, and uh, that became my uh, my career and my life. And uh, the next thing you know, I've been here for a decade, and most recently became interested in uh, in politics and ran for mayor in 2019, and the rest was history. Are you from Long Island originally? I grew up on Long Island. I, uh, I didn't grow up in Southampton before, you know, calling it my home, uh, but I did grow up, uh, grow up on Long Island in, uh, in a town called Roslyn, uh, Nassau County, but had always been out here, you know, my entire life. I see. What motivated you to get into politics? It, it's a uh... You know, I've running the paper for all those years. I got to know many merchants during that era, and uh, they were all merchants. They rarely saw one step up and become a mayor. And I thought you must have been thinking about it. And what was what was your thought process? Well, this goes back, uh, I guess, to the uh, twenty sixteen election. And at that point, I had you know was interested in that in that election simply because uh, there was you know some. Uh, general interest around it. But, but I looked around and I had said at that point in time, I said, is this, is this the best, you know, we can do out here? And uh, after the results of the election, I really wanted to get more involved, but I had no idea how to get involved. I knew nothing about politics. I didn't study politics. I had no background or experience, though I think uh, a long time ago, I did an intern for the, uh, the New York City uh, Controller's Office a long time ago in college, but really no interest in politics. But I started to dig in and the more I dug in, the more I realized that there was a lot that could be done on the local level where everything you do really counts. Uh, and so at that point, I embarked on a bit of a journey to learn you know, how to run for office and what that process looked like. Now, fast forward to 2017. I actually tried to run for office in 2017 for a position of village uh, trustee, walked into village hall, spoke to the clerk, and the clerk told me I was too late and I couldn't run for office at that time because there was a petition process that I knew nothing about that I've since become potentially an expert on. But at that point, I said, I'm still going to move forward anyway. And I decided to run for an election without even being on the ballot. And I had uh, campaigned, I ran a very active, aggressive campaign as a write-in candidate. And while I didn't win in 2017, I, uh, I received a uh, considerable number of votes relative to other candidates and thought that maybe I had some momentum and some interest in running. So at that point, I did my research, I dug in, I joined the planning commission, uh, I, uh, I dug into some of the environmental and business issues in the village. And uh, 2018 rolled around, 
And I said, not my year. And then 2019 was a mayoral election. And I said, with all the things going on in the village between the vacant storefronts, the polluted lakes, uh, the lack of transparency in our budget, all of the, uh, the, the increase in taxes on, on both the residents and the business owners, I said, you know what, I'm just going to run for mayor. I'd rather be the, uh, the chief executive of village rather than one vote you know, on, a, uh, on a board and a legislator. And uh, having a, a retail background in the village, not only did I get to know a lot of people, but it also gave me the skills of learning customer service, uh, ultimately in the retail business, which is my main job, despite I work 60 to 80 hours per week as mayor, <laughs> I get to really serve people in any way. So it really was parallel as far as serving uh, customers of my store and, my new, and the new customers are the residents of the village who we basically try to serve every day. What uh, were some of the things that you, you know, your first hundred days or what, what was in your mind when you won the election and, uh, and, and then later when you were able to get a majority of the uh, trustees? What, what, what are the things that are on your plate? And tell me a little bit about how they've gone along since you were able to move them along. Well, it's funny. We spent every day in 2019 trying to win the election and no time at all actually putting together a transition team. And, and so when we won the election at that point, we had about seven to 10 days before taking office. So we really had to cram in all of the, uh, the transition and planning into that time. But really, the, the key things that we initially uh, worked on during the first 100 days were, were first the, um, the business district. So we wanted to come up with a plan uh, to help the businesses in the short term and long term. And some of that has already come to fruition as far as the, the window law that was passed that we're got a nice piece of press in the Wall Street Journal, as well as uh, finishing and working on our map and plan for the sewer system, which is imperative as far as the vibrancy of our downtown, we can get that get to that later on in the podcast. And then clean water and environmental issues uh, for me and for uh, some of our supporters are critical. So one of the first things we did was form the Lake Agawam Conservancy, which is a, uh, a nonprofit organization that we've partnered with that has since then raised over three quarters of a million dollars. Uh, and with those things, uh, we've done things such as a, a pilot program with the New York State DC and Governor Cuomo to harvest algae, uh, off the top of Lake Agawam. We've installed a telemetric buoy. We've installed bioswales, which essentially are natural catch basins preventing road runoff from getting into uh, our lakes. We've immediately uh, applied for grants, which we've now seen the results in some of the grant funding we've received. And then in addition, we wanted to really uh, make sure that we improved our budget, which we're now working on for a budget that is due in April. And that was really much of what we accomplished in some of the first 100 days. Now, since those 100 days have gone by, we're now, we've now entered into a global pandemic. So we've still been very focused on some of our initial goals, but we have really, uh, the amount of work uh, has, has dramatically expanded as we've put you know, COVID-19 on the top of our minds. And we've tried to be very aggressive as far as protecting the public's health and safety of, of our community and happy to speak about that as well. I want to talk to you about a few things briefly. One of them was, I thought kind of interesting, was your idea of bringing the windmill down from the college to put where it used to be on uh, Windmill Lane. That's why they called it that. Now you think about it. I guess I was, going to say, I was going to say backlash, but it was like, no, we don't want to give it to you, basically. 
Have you thought further about uh, what you might do? It would be really great to bring the windmill back to Southampton Village. It's now currently on the, uh, the Stony Brook campus and we're working with local residents to help bring it back. It's a bit of a tall order because it does require uh, state authorization and the state right now is very much consumed with a lot of the COVID response, but it would be very nice to be able to return the windmill back to the village, install it right back on Windmill Lane uh, where it essentially uh, first was and then help restore that windmill because we understand that the windmill hasn't really uh, been upkept. The amount of time and money and attention maybe could increase into that. So we're working with our residents. It's something we would like to do. It is not the number one thing on our agenda, but we're helping our local group of residents with that idea. Now we have some other concepts to uh, potentially build a, a second windmill or- That was what I was thinking, but make it a replica. That's right. Because, you know, the crew at, at, at Stony Brook is also inclined to keep it there. So we're in a bit of a, an impasse at the moment um, in negotiating, trying to bring that windmill back to Southampton. But it would be a big win for us if we could do it. Uh, also, I, wouldn't, I would be remiss if I didn't talk to you about the uh, sculpture project that we're embarking on. I know you have, there were a couple of sites. That, this is something Dan's Papers is doing, along with Lou Mizell, who's an art dealer. We're placing um, large sculptures around the communities to uh, be drive-byable and uh, part of a, an art project. And I understand that there were a number of sites in the village that you were thinking might be suitable for something. Where would they be, if I'm correct? That's right. And thank, thanks to you and, and to Vicky and to Lou Mizell, we've got this great concept to bring in additional art into the village, including some really amazing sculptures from Lou Mizell, who's got a great collection of art. And Southampton Village has become a little bit of an art hub over the last six months or so between Phillips, which recently opened here, uh, Hausner & Wirth, another art gallery that's open, and some smaller art galleries on Job's Lane, combined with a lot of work being done at the art center. We've really got a great art hub here. So what would even increase that, and, and by the way, not to mention our art law, where we've got some great installation in some of our vacant storefronts, but we've got these beautiful sculptures, again, in part with the help of Dan's papers uh, to bring into the village. So we're thinking some key locations such as the corner of um, Hampton Road and Main Street, right across from Phillips, potentially something in front of Village Hall. There's a space on uh, Job's Lane we'd kind of like to add right across from the art center to kind of cover up, not as nice looking location. And then something by Agawam Park and this could be part of a walking art tour. So when you're walking through Southampton Village uh, this spring, for example, and you're gonna be visiting the numerous art galleries and other retail institutions, there's also additional art that you can be looking through, such as the sculptures and artwork for New Mizell. Where you closed Main Street and had it as a pedestrian place for a while, which was great. Is that going to continue in the spring? We, uh, we think so. I mean, there's so much, again, to, to talk about and so many things that we've tried to do or have done in a, in a short period of time. And uh, closing uh, Main Street and uh, some nights Job's Lane uh, to pedestrians only really was a fun and exciting thing that we did to help bring some vibrancy to our business district and really help our restaurants when there was limited 
indoor uh, seating over the over the summer. So we also thought it was not just a, a, a vibrancy and fun thing we did, but also something to help our restaurant businesses uh, survive what could have been a very tough uh, summer. And we hope to continue that tradition post COVID and it will be even more exciting once everyone has been vaccinated and once we can get through this pandemic. And at that point we can combine music and art and other entertainment and really bring some life into our village downtown. Because traditionally you see a village like Southampton Village that is a little more quiet than other villages like Sag Harbor. So, uh, you know, suppose you were to be able to go to Southampton Village on a Saturday night or even a Thursday night in the summer and at nine o'clock at night, everyone is walking around, they're having ice cream, they're getting coffees and desserts and finishing up their dinners, shopping at some of our stores. That would be something that not only would bring some vibrancy and some life into the village, but also for our residents to enjoy and also help our businesses. Getting back to Lake Agawam for a minute, um, do you have anything new to add to what's been done? I know that they've tried various uh, chemicals and blockages and you know fixing it and this and that. Uh, have you come upon anything you think would be helpful because nothing has worked as near as I can tell? We, the lake has, Lake Agawam for those you know who aren't as familiar with it, has become one of the most polluted lakes in all of New York State and suffers from harmful algae blooms, uh, which are a result of nutrients and other chemicals in the lake and other pollution in the lake. And those harmful algae blooms produce cyanobacteria, which is dangerous to the central nervous system. So one of our goals was to help solve this problem. And uh, a few things that we've done, you know, you may have, I think you've covered some stories about this, but we have really helped reduce the road runoff getting into the lake. We have installed bioswales. We've put in a telemetric buoy to track real-time data, temperature, pH, harmful algae bloom levels. And in addition, we've done a pilot program with the governor. But one thing that we're going to be doing this spring, which is going to be, I believe, the first time uh, this combination has been used in Long Island, we're going to be using a program where we combine uh, hydrogen peroxide, H2O2, which breaks down into water, as well as microsonic technology, which shoots microsonic waves into the lake to disrupt the toxic algae. So we're going to do two treatments of hydrogen peroxide coupled with this microsonic technology in an effort to mitigate and disrupt the, the harmful algae blooms, maybe send them to the bottom of the lake. Because two summers ago, if you came to Lake Agawam at the end of the summer, it was this dense green muck. It was really unattractive, but worse, you know, dangerous. This year with some of our initiatives, we still had a harmful algae bloom, but it was much less dense than the year before. So we're hoping when we use these, this program, this pilot program, uh, that is partly paid for by the private sector, partly paid for by the DEC, and partly paid for by the village, this will really help disrupt the harmful algae blooms. There's a lot more we can do, but we're really off to a good start. Uh, there were two uh, projects. To this month is, uh, I guess, the month for um, African-American uh, studies. And you have two projects going at the same time, which one is the barbershop on uh, North Main, which is in the district that was frequented uh, by that uh, group. And the other was home that was a home of a former slave who used to run ferry trips across Lake Agawam, as you, I'm sure you know. And both those projects had run into problems in terms of the builder who's won the bid 
And uh, I think it may be more difficult with the home because we only have a, a few pieces of it to restore, but how are they going? Can you talk briefly about that? Either one. Sure. These two projects, both the rebuilding of the Pyrus concert home on Pond Lane, as well as the barbershop are two projects done by the Southampton African-American Museum. And uh, we are uh, trying to provide Brenda Simmons and uh, Georgette right. Gurkey, Dr. Key, uh, as much support as possible. Now, in particular, uh, one project that we're very, very focused on is the rebuilding of the Pyrus concert home on Pond Lane. Again, Dan's Papers, thank you very much. Did a great story on the Pyrus concert project. But we were able, uh, and it was probably too little too late, but it was the least we can do, you know, once we took office, was to landmark the site. And um, I only say too little too late because all that was done in 2015, but this was a big achievement for 2021. Now, that is great to have a historic landmark in the village. We want to thank the Architecture Review Board. But just backtracking, there was the home of Pyrus Concer, and Pyrus Concer was a legendary whaler. He was one of the first Americans not just the first African-American to travel to Japan in the uh, 19th century and is very famous in Japan. Um, the Japanese delegation is obsessed with him. And they actually came to Southampton in about 2015 or so, 2016, looking for the home and they discovered that it was destroyed. Um, and this was a very upsetting uh, situation and uh, never should have happened. We don't have to go into why it happened, but ultimately our goal now is to help rebuild the home with the materials that the African-American Museum and some of the archeologists were able to salvage. And we are currently working with our grant writer, Nicole Christian, with Preserve Long Island, and with, a, with um, Chaliff and Rogers Architects to put together this plan. And uh, next month, we'll be going in front of the town board to provide them an update. And then we'll be asking for uh, some CPF money in order to help us rebuild this home which is a critical piece of not just Southampton history, but American history. And then if we're able to get some CPF money, we're also gonna go out to the Gardner Foundation and ask them for a matching grant. And the village has also pledged some money as well to help us reconstruct this uh, very historical uh, and instrumental home. Where would it be? Would it be located on the site where the original house was or across the way or where? It would be located on the, uh, the site where the initial home was on Pond Lane. Now there's additional plans as well, uh, but right now we really wanna get this home rebuilt and then also work on the plans for the rest of the site. Anything else you wanna talk about? We'd love to invite you and your team of journalists uh, for a, uh, a demonstration of a new app that we are working on uh, building out and which we uh, purchased uh, called uh, C Click Fix. And this is a quality of life app that you can download on your phone. And what this is, if there's any type of issue, quality of life issue, whether it's a leaf blower that's blowing too loud or uh, a construction project on a Sunday or potentially a pothole or people speeding or anything like that, you can uh, go to your phone, you can download the app and you can take a picture or video and that gets sent to uh, Village Hall or to our ordinance inspector or to our police department uh, in a non-emergency fashion. And so it gets documented and then we provide you uh, real-time updates as to when your problem is getting solved. And we are in the customer service business, as I said at the very beginning of this podcast. So this app will be a great way for any problem, large or small, 
for us to solve for our residents. And it's a way to use technology uh, and an app in order to track you know, some of these quality of life initiatives. So that's one exciting project we're working on. You have to be careful it's not abused. I would hope that that could be a problem. I know it's videos can be doctored, blah, you know, stuff like that. We don't have time to get into that, but just be, do it right, you know, and if you can. And uh, it sounds like an exciting thing. Now, I read somewhere you're planning to run for office again. The mayoral race is every two years, is it? Four. That's right. In Southampton Village, the mayoral race is two years. Now, in East Hampton Village, it's every four years. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse to have um, these two-year terms because <laughs> you're always up for re-election. Um, it doesn't really give you a whole lot of time to settle in, but at the same time, it, it allows you to reflect the residents' sentiments uh, on a more real-time you know, basis. So we're up for re-election. I think the election is June 17th. We've got a good shot, but we're going to have an uphill battle. Uh, there are a lot of pressures against us, but we've also built up uh, a lot of strong supporters based upon a lot of our really strong achievements and also I believe we did a really strong job, especially at the onset of, of, of COVID-19, really making sure our community was safe. So I think we've got a really good track record of achievements to run on. And uh, we're hoping that the, uh, the village will give us an opportunity to serve two more years. Now, uh, I don't plan on doing this forever. I'd like to do you know, another term. You know, I don't, I don't actually plan on being a, a career uh, mayor. In fact, I'd like to actually work with our board on putting uh, term limits in place. I don't think anyone should have a job as mayor or trustee for more than eight years and also gives other people the opportunity. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. It's going to be, a, uh, it's gonna be a, a good one and a tough one, but we're going to give it everything we've got in this upcoming election. Well, I have to say, I think it's been a very exciting experience watching the dust fly in uh, Southampton Village in the last year and a half. And I want to thank you for being on the podcast. This is Dan Retiner. I'm talking to Jesse Warren, the mayor. Thanks for coming. Dan, it's uh, my pleasure. Thanks again to you and your team. Uh, looking forward to uh, listening to this podcast and uh, the future ones to come. Thank you. Thank you.